I think we've all heard lately on the news the comments of Pope Francis in an interview. And I think it would be a shame if we only heard these things from whether it be ABC News, Fox News, The Inquirer, and not from our spiritual father. This morning I want to talk to you a little bit about what's been going on in the news, right? This interview that came out on Thursday of this week. And what most people don't realize, and what I think a lot of these people on the news probably have not done, is that this interview is actually 18 pages long. I wonder how many of these reporters have read the 18 pages of the Pope's interview. It's interesting because the Pope has this interview with an Italian, an Italian um, Jesuit journal, and the interviewer comes up to Pope Francis, and the very first question he asks is the following. He says, who is Jorge Mario Bergoglio? That is Pope Francis. Francis is the name he took as Pope, but his name is Jorge Mario Bergoglio. In the interviewer, he begins the entire conversation by asking him, who is Jorge Mario Bergoglio? And he said one of the most impressive things happened in that room. The Pope simply looked at him in silence, and then he said, Io sono un peccatore. I am a sinner. He said, it's not a cliche phrase. He said, that is what best sums up who I am. I am a sinner that Jesus Christ has looked upon. The words of Pope Francis, the very beginning of this beautiful interview. And Pope Francis goes on to talk about how he sees that he really identifies himself with his motto that he had ever since he was a bishop and is now over his coat of arms as a pope, right? It's a tradition in the Catholic Church as bishops and then eventually when, if they become cardinals and popes, they have this motto in Latin that goes over their coat of arms. And his motto in Latin is the following, miserando atque eligendo. It comes from a homily of St. Bede on Jesus calling St. Matthew at the tax collector's stand. And St. Bede says the following, he says, and looking at him with mercy called him looking at him with merciful love, he called him, miserando atque eligendo. Pope Francis said that he never worked in the Vatican. In the few times that he had an opportunity to go and visit Rome, he stayed close to the Basilica of St. Mary Major, and he used to visit there quite often and pray to the Blessed Virgin Mother. That's why when he first got elected, one of the first things he did was go to the Basilica of St. Mary Major and visit Mary and trust 
his pontificate into her hands. And he said, after that visit to St. Mary Major, he would be walking through the streets of Rome, and there's this little church on a side street in Rome, and it's called San Luigi dei Francesi. It's a little church that hardly any tourists go to see. And he said he would go in there, and he would spend so much time there. It's a church that I had the opportunity to visit when I was over in Rome. And inside this church, there's a beautiful painting done by Caravaggio, the painting of Jesus calling St. Matthew, the painting that we have here this evening. And Pope Francis said he would go in there and he would sit and let the time go by and he would look at Matthew, right? Jesus being on the right pointing his finger at Matthew and calling him, and St. Matthew in the center pointing to himself and holding on to his money. Caravaggio right, was an Italian painter, and over in Italy, when you call someone, you call them like this. You don't call them like this, as we do in the United States. That's why Jesus, his hand is like this. It's not some languid position. Jesus is in the motion since Caravaggio was Italian, of calling St. Matthew, come. And Pope Francis said, that is me. I identify myself with the gesture of Matthew. The Lord who walks in, looks at Matthew with merciful love and calls him, and yet Matthew, pointing to himself, saying, me? No, Lord, no. He's holding on to his money as if to say, I can't let this go. This is my happiness. This is what I've worked for. This is my future. This is what I've based my future happiness on. Lord, not me. Don't call me. And he said he used to spend time there in front of this painting. He said, that's me. My dear brothers and sisters, each and every one of us is holding on to something as our security whether it be material goods, whether it be our pride, whether it be our vanity, whether it be our sensuality, whatever it may be, the Lord walks into our life. He looks at us with loving mercy and he says, come, come follow me. And yet we're afraid. We're afraid to let go of what we've worked for. Matthew holding on to those few coins and almost as if he's saying no. The comments of Pope Francis regarding homosexuality, abortion, and contraception actually take up two paragraphs within this 18-page interview. In the context in which Pope Francis speaks about these difficult topics and briefly mentions them was in response to the following question. The interviewer asked Pope Francis and said, Pope Francis, what is the most urgent task for the church today? And Pope Francis said, we need to heal wounds. We need to rekindle 
in the hearts of Christians, that love for the Lord. We need to heal wounds. And Pope Francis uses this analogy. He says, the church today is like a battleground hospital, a battlefield hospital. After a gruesome battle, he said, there's bodies everywhere suffering grave wounds. They're bleeding out on the battlefield. They're dying. And it would be ridiculous for us to walk by and ask someone, how is your cholesterol? How is your blood sugar level? Words of Pope Francis. He says, cholesterol and blood sugar levels are bad for us. And they can even kill us. But he says, these people on the battlefield are dying. They've got gaping wounds in them. And we need to address those wounds. There's so many people around us, Christians included, who don't even believe in God. Don't even believe that Jesus Christ died for them, not generically, for them individually. And Pope Francis says, we need to bring that love to them. We need to heal those wounds. We need to proceed in order, put hierarchy to what we're doing. We need to heal wounds. It's interesting how this Sunday we're reading from the parable of the dishonest steward, right? And what happens? Dishonest steward, he's about to be let go by the master, right? And he goes and he calls these different debtors of his master and he says, how much do you owe? A hundred measures of oil. And he says, sit down and make it 50. And then another one he calls, he says, how much, how many cores of wheat do you owe? And the person says, a hundred. And he says, sit down and make it 80. And here comes the phrase that we have a hard time understanding. The master commends the steward for his prudence. Why? He was a cheat. (laughs) He just gave away his master's goods. And why is the master happy about that? Why is the master complimenting the steward? And there are many biblical scholars who offer the following explanation. He said, isn't it interesting, they said, isn't it interesting how he says to one, make it 50, and to the other he says, make it 80. If they were the master's goods, he would have just said, all of you, take your debts and cut them in half. Why did he differentiate? Why 50 to one and 80 to the other? And he said most likely it was because the steward was selfishly making money off of his master's debtors. He was calling the debtors in and saying, okay, I've charged you 50 more than you really owe my master, so write it off. I've charged you 20 more than you owe my master in the wheat, so write it off. The steward has a whole change of heart. He lets go of this previous selfish way of securing his happiness and he realizes that he needs to embark on a new way and win the affection of his master's debtors. St. Matthew, whose feast we celebrated yesterday, in this interview which came out Thursday, all coincide. Matthew's source of happiness, what he thought would bring him happiness, Jesus tells him to leave it. Let it go. Follow me. I remember when I was doing my internship 
uh, at a boys' academy in Wisconsin with this, I'll finish. I spent two years there as prefect of discipline of 200 eighth grade boys, right? 24-7, nine months out of the year. So you can imagine, if you want to go crazy, you do that for a year. And I was going crazy after the first year. I went to the vice principal and I walked into his office and plopped myself down there and I said, I'm done, I'm through. <laughs> How do you get these boys to listen to you? I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to bring them along. And the vice principal said, well, you need to love them. And I said, I am. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm a seminarian. That's why I'm doing all these things. That's why I'm giving myself day in and day out. And I'll never forget, he stopped me and he told me the following thing. He said, it's not enough just to love them. They need to know that you love them.